Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But I don't think that everybody that says that or puts it on their coffee mug or frames it and puts it in their house or, or makes a tattoo of it, that it means exactly what you think that possibly it means. Has anybody ever heard of the Mandela Effect? Yes. So there is a movie with Sinbad where he plays a genie in the 90s. And everybody thought that this was a movie called, I think it was Kazam. And people were like, yeah, I saw that. It's, I love that movie. That movie never happened. The Mandela Effect is where some people, a group of people, a large group of people, remember something all together that's not true. But yet they all think it is. I'm going to blow y'all's minds this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? There we go. The Monopoly guy does not have a monocle in any of the games. Crazy, right? Darth Vader never said, Luke, I am your father. He never says it. He says, no, I am your father. E.T. phone home. Never says it. Oh, that's crazy. Crazy. He's lying up there. He said it. I remember him saying it. No, he didn't. He says, E.T. home phone. Y'all are looking at me like I'm lying to you. I swear, I swear it's the truth. And there's a lot of other ones, but that so many people have said it so many times that they believe that it's true. See, that's what happens with these twisted uh, scriptures. If enough people say them enough times and use them in the wrong context so many times, then people will just start to believe that it means what they're saying as opposed to what it actually means. The content is nothing without the context. Somebody say amen. So our verse for today is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Ha! A future and a hope. Ha! If you believe it, ha! You will receive it. Ha! If you name it, ha, you can claim it. I see the blessing coming down over here. I see the job ha, coming over here. I see that healing coming. I see that marriage coming. Y'all have seen this, right? Y'all have heard this, right? This is called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel. That if you believe enough, you can then become wealthy. If you believe enough, you can then be healed. If you believe enough, all your dreams will come true. There is no such thing as the prosperity gospel. It's not a real thing. But I'm here to tell you that there is prosperity in the gospel, okay? There's not a prosperity gospel that if you believe enough and you do enough that God will give you that job, give you that marriage, give you that kid, do all those things for you, but there is prosperity in the gospel. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. All right. Y'all are out there. Come on. So we're going to take 
not just Jeremiah 29, 11, but we're going to talk about the context of where it is. Are you ready? I'm not going to have everybody stand for the reading of God's Word today because we're going to be jumping around and doing a lot of different ones. It'd be like a Catholic church. You'd be standing and then sitting and then standing and then sitting and then standing. And then standing. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. So just starting in verse 4 of chapter 29, let me give you a little backstory. The children of Israel had misbehaved. They were bad. And they were in exile, okay? They're in exile, and God had allowed Babylon to run in and overthrow, and, and it's ruling now, okay? Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. So this is Jeremiah 29. Before we get to verse 11, he's saying, get comfortable. In the, the suffering that you're going through, the current thing that you're dealing with, the sickness that's going on, the financial struggles, the family issues, whatever's going on, the exile that you are in, children of Israel, get comfortable. Take up root. Because you're going to be there a minute. They're going to be there in that suffering, in that place for 70 years. 70 years. But in this verse, he's saying not that, you know what, I have a plan for you. We're going to get you out of that exile. No, he's saying get comfortable. It's going to be a minute. It's going to be a minute. I'm doing something in you. Can somebody say amen? I'm pruning. I'm disciplining. I'm getting something going. I'm, I'm getting ready. So, so take root. Get ready where you are are for what's gonna come i'm not telling you when or what it is but get comfortable get comfortable verse 7 it says but seek the welfare of the city where i have sent you into exile and pray to the lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare so not only are you to get comfortable in your current circumstances, not only are you to get comfortable with the things that are going on, not only do you try to get used to being oppressed by your oppressors, but try as best you can to bless your oppressors. For it is in their welfare that you will then find your welfare. That is not what I want to hear not what I want to hear in my flesh and in my person. God, I don't want God to sit there and say, hey, yeah, I know you're dealing with some stuff. I know you're getting bullied. I know that people are being mean to you and life's not going how you want it. But all those people that are not treating you the way you think you need to be treated, I want you to love them. I want you to bless them. I want you to serve them. I want you to do as much as you can for them because in their welfare is your welfare. Oh, no! God, I want you to show up and be like, I smite all of them and I give you all of this, these things. That's what I want to hear. 
For don't you have a plan for me to prosper me and to grow me for a future, right? Isn't that, aren't I on your side? You're telling me to go help them. That's not what 2911 says. It says that you have a future for me and you're wanting me to provide a future for them? That's not, no. In this chapter, we learn just how much of children we still are. Can somebody say amen? Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. You see, all throughout Jeremiah, there were false prophets. Even just the, the chapter right before this, there's Ananias who is sitting there saying, hey, God said y'all would be here for 70 years. Don't worry about it. I'll get y'all out in two. What? What are you talking about? You know better than the Lord? Yeah, I'll get you out in two. Yeah, ah, you in that Babylon? I'll get you out in two years. God said it'd be 70, but I'll get you out of that exile. No. God's saying, I didn't send him. I didn't tell him to say that. Verse, uh, chapter 23, it talks about more prophets. And, and God's saying, guys, listen, don't listen. Don't pay attention to all. Just listen to me. I'm doing something. I'm doing something. I've got a plan. And it's for your future. It's for hope. It's, it's to bless you. I've got this. Don't, don't listen to that. Listen to me. Don't look over here. Look right here. Right? Look right here. I, I, I'm doing something. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill you to my promise and bring you back to this place. 70 years. Now, can you imagine being an 85, 95-year-old person, child of Israel, and you're in Babylon, and you're waiting for God to just bring down that blessing and get you out of that exile, and, and God speaks clearly and says it's going to be 70 years, and you know you'll never see the promised land. You'll never make it long enough to see milk and honey. You'll never get there, but, but you can lean into the fact and lean on the promise of God that you know that your children will or your grandchildren, or your great-grandchildren? Is that enough, or do you want it? Is it enough for you, or do you want it? Now, there are times when my kids will get in trouble, Max, um, and, and I have to punish uh, my children, Max, and um, I, I have to, on the days where I'm feeling generous, I put them in timeout instead of clobbering them, right? Oh, y'all don't beat y'all's kids? It's just me? That's fine. That's, that's fine. Y'all teach me a parenting class after this, I hope. Now, time out every once in a while. If he has to go in it, put him in it. What's the first thing he asks? Can I get up? Can I get up? You haven't even sat down yet. Get in time. All right. Now can I get up? No. How about now? Can I get up? No. Sit there. Could I get up? And it just kills him, right? It's just, he's just, uh, 
You know, you've, you've seen the kids that it, they want something so bad. They want to get up and go so bad that they're just, oh, please let me out of here. Is that not the children of Israel right now? You're in exile. Can we get out? No, you're going to be there for 70 years. Can I get out now? No. Can I have the thing? Can I have it? Can I have the job? Can I have the health? Can I have the money? Can I have the healing? Can I have the restoration? Can I have the family? Can I have the marriage? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Please, please, please give it to me, God, please. I remember in Jeremiah 29, 11 that you said that you had a plan for me to prosper me for my good. Can I have it? Please. I'm, I'm, I'm telling y'all, I'm preaching to me this morning. It's, I'm preaching to me. This is me. I'm, the, I'm impatient. I wear my wife out so much during Christmas time that she gives me my present at least the 18th or 19th of December. True story. Because I'm sitting there, the only child in the house going, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Please, can I have it? I'm impatient. I want the thing. I want it. I know she has something for me. I can see it there. I see my name on the gift. I see my name on the gift of God that I know that I have. That I know that I have. And I'm sitting here going, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Please, can I have it? But it's not time yet. It's not ready yet. The biggest danger with twisting Scripture is that it is the same thing as lying to someone. Imagine you have a baby Christian. Imagine you have somebody that you're explaining the, the, the gift of God and, and, and you quote that Jeremiah 29, 11 for somebody who just turned their life over to Christ and you're like, look, you know what? God, 29, 11, he says he has a plan for you to prosper you. Don't worry about that job. Don't worry about that marriage. Don't worry. He's going to solve that. Your blessing is on its way. It's coming. Don't worry. And then you don't receive the healing or you don't fix your marriage after one counseling session or you don't get the job you want or you don't get that thing or this thing and then it doesn't work out and that believer is then sitting there saying did I not believe enough did I not have enough faith did I did I did I do something wrong was there a box I was supposed to check that I didn't check? Was I, was I supposed to serve in kids' ministry twice instead of once? Or even more so, what if that believer then goes, God doesn't love me enough to give me that healing. God doesn't love me enough to give me that, that opportunity. God doesn't love me enough to, to restore my family. Maybe I... Maybe I can't trust him. It's one of the most dangerous things that we can do as disciples of Christ is to twist scripture and not tell people what it actually means. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that he has a plan for you. But it may not be the plan that you have. It may not look like your plan at all. It may not be anything like your plan. And I've heard this before and I love it. But we can't believe our way out of a situation that we've behaved ourselves into. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't believe your way out of a situation that you've behaved yourself into. 
sometimes we have to be disciplined. Sometimes we have to be pruned. Sometimes we have to learn a lesson. My kids misbehave sometimes, Max, and I will have to sit there, and they know that, I'm just kidding. I'm talking a lot about my, my kids being bad. They're good kids. They're good enough kids that they know that whenever they are disciplined, I can ask them, and I can say, look, Max, why won't I let you do this? Or why won't I let you act like this? Why, why, why is it that you're in trouble right now? And he knows, and she and the little one will know, enough to say, you love us enough. You love me enough to not let me behave like that. You love me enough to not let me go out and have somebody else see me in this way or this way or this way. You love me enough to teach me. My kids know that. My six-year-old knows that. My ten-year-old daughter knows that. And yet, when something happens in my life that I deserved, I sit there and go, God, I thought you had a plan for me. I thought it was to benefit me. And to... <sighs> I'm more immature than my children some days. I am. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to me. There's days where I am so immature with God that I'm going, but I want the thing. I want this. Can I not have it? And he's like, no. I've got something better. You don't see it yet. You don't know it yet. But I've got something. Just, just drop it for a minute. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you. All the things that I have driven you away from, all the things that I've kept you from. The times where, yes, I, the Lord of hosts, sent you into exile. I'll bring you home. I'll bring you back. I'll bless you and give you something. Because I have a plan for you. I have a future and a hope. But see, so often we think, but it's about me. I want the thing. Can I have the thing? Because you said it was a, about me, that you had a plan for me. No, I have a plan. You're involved in it. But I have a plan. There was a woman a few weeks ago that was going to come to church for the first time. It was going to be her first time here, right? And she had went through a, a life of, of choices that she had behaved her way into certain things. She had lost family members and, and lost her, her children, and, and she was going to come to church. She had gotten herself ready and, and good and had, had, had been ready to come to church for the first time. And on her way, this is a great story, on her way, she stopped at a gas station. And the people that were expecting her to show up to church are texting her going, where are you? I thought you were coming today. Turns out that when she got to that gas station, she saw her daughter, whom she hadn't seen in a while. 
And she runs over to say hi to her and just like, I love you so much. I'm, I'm doing better. Like, I'm, I'm clean, and, I, and I'm following God, and this is what God's doing in my life. And the foster family that, that was with her daughter are like, that's, that's great. You know, I know you're on your way to church, but we're on our way to church. Would you, would you like to come with us? And this woman got the opportunity to go to church with her daughter, whom she hadn't seen. And she's just blown away going, God did this thing for me. For me. He's going to do this thing for me. How amazing is it that he's, he, he loves me so much. And God's laughing, going, you think this is about you? So she goes to that church. It's old-timey church. And the pastor's put on his heart to, to ask somebody, will they testify? Can somebody in here testify on the goodness of God and what God's doing in their lives? And the church was silent. Nobody was going to say anything. But this woman, who just happened to randomly be at this gas station, to randomly see her daughter, to randomly be on the right track, to randomly be invited to this church, to randomly be there for the first time, and the pastor asked if anybody testifies, stood up, testified the goodness of God and what Jesus Christ was doing in her life, blessed them by saying, this is what I'm doing, this is what God's doing, this is where he's brought me from, Revelation 12, 11, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, we will defeat the enemy and just prophesy and proclaim the goodness of God to everyone there and everybody people were coming up to her afterwards going my daughter is suffering from from this and this and you've blessed me so much and my my son hey my son has is doing this and and it's blessed i i was in the same way and you've re-inspired me to do this thing and god is sitting there laughing going you thought it was about you you thought i was just giving you something but really i was sending you to do something it's not about you. It was about them. I needed you to go and tell them about me. The things that you're going through, the things that you have are not about you. The things that you don't have are not about you. The opportunities that you are blessed with are not about you. The things that have been taken away are not about you. God is working and moving in ways that we cannot even understand, that we can't even fathom. So when we say, God, I want this thing, and we don't get it, it's not because you didn't believe enough. It's not because you're, you're more or less loved than anybody else. He said he's got a plan. I'm doing something, not just in you, but in this person, and in this person, and in this person, and in this person, because you did this. Because you went to here, or you spoke this, or you said this, or because you suffered. Because you suffered, this person sees how to suffer. When you were rejected, this person sees how it feels and they know how the rejection can then lead to something else. Because it's not about you. 
It's never been about you. It's about the plan. It's about the future. It's about the hope. The plan for your life has a name, and it's Jesus. The future of your life has a name, and it's Jesus. The hope of your life, his name is Jesus. The whole thing is Operation Jesus. Operation Jesus. Boots on the ground, that's you guys. We're going to take hits. It's going to be rough. Life's hard. Somebody say amen if life's hard. Life's hard. But never in this book, I want to I trump a, uh, a Mandela effect today, okay? Oscar Meyer is, is spelled M-A-Y-E-R, not M-E-Y-E-R. Blows your mind, right? It's crazy. Looney Tunes is T-U-N-E-S instead of T-O-O-N-S. Yeah, that's right, I said it. And never in this book, never, not on any page, will you find where God says, if you follow me, you will then be healed of all things. If you follow me, you will not suffer. If you follow me, you will get every job that you apply for. Your finances will be fine. Your life will be fine. Your, your family will be restored. Your marriages will have no issues at all. You, your, your kids will be perfect, and you'll never have to wonder or, or pray if, if they're coming home tonight. You'll never have to worry. You'll never have to wonder because if you follow me, if you follow Jesus, then life's going to be good. It doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, it says the opposite. They will hate you because they hated me. You will suffer. Foxes have dens. Birds have nests. Son of man doesn't even have anywhere to sleep. Everything, everything that you're going through it's for a reason. God will use every minute of it. I'm looking around and I'm seeing people who have taken things in their lives, things that they've experienced, and then turned them, flipped them on their head, and said, this is what God delivered me from. And it has inspired someone else to say, if you could do it, then I can too. The plan for your life may be to suffer for a minute so that someone else doesn't have to. I saw what you did, and I don't ever want to have to do that. So I turned my life to Christ completely. That's part of us just being parents. There's so often that I'm teaching my kids something that I never learned. Teaching my kids saying, hey, I did this. I made this mistake. And I want to tell you about it so that you don't ever have to feel what that's like. You don't ever have to feel what it's like to know whether or not you're worth it. To know whether or not you're loved. To know whether or not that you're enough or that you're equipped or that somebody's going to be there for you. I, wanted, I want you to know. I want you to know the things that I didn't know. 
not to worry about a job or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or, or anybody else or anything else. God has a plan for your life. But I'm telling you, don't try to guess as to what that plan is. I'm preaching to myself today. I, you know, if y'all weren't here, I'd have to be up here preaching to myself because my, I, I've had to change my posture here recently. And one of those posture changes is one of the hardest things you can do. Because I had to go, you know what? God's got a plan for my life. If I believe it, I receive it. I'm claiming it, name it. Ha, ha, yeah. It's going to be good. It, you know, life is, don't have to worry about nothing. I am in this. And I just really, now I just, Boom. I had to go, oh, I need to change my posture. And my posture was like, uh, please, please, please. I had to change my posture again. And so that I'm not upright, I'm not here, I'm not here, I'm not here, but I'm just here. Just here. Not worrying about health or family or work or money, but just choosing the good portion. Do you hear what I'm saying? Choosing the good portion. Choosing the only thing that matters. Just, just saying, okay, all right, I'll just sit here. I'm just going to sit right here. And if you speak to me and drop some divine wisdom into my life, then I will receive it. I mean, to shut up for a minute and just sit in your presence. I'll do that too. I choose the good portion. I just want to be right here at the foot of the cross. Just laying my head on my, my father's lap, just being there. Because life is hard. I want to tell every mature Christian, every baby Christian, I want you to hear me. Hear me online. Hear me in person. Hear me. There are going to be times that things don't go your way. That you might get sick and you might not be healed. That you might not have an opportunity. That you might not get the thing that you've been praying for. And then there's going to be times where you do get healed. And then there's going to be times where you get that opportunity. And there's going to be times where God answers that prayer that you had. Not just that, but even more so the things you didn't even realize that you wanted. There will be those times too. But either way he still loves you so much so so much he still sent his son to die for you he still washed away every sin that you ever thought about doing God is still good Life is hard. But Romans 8, 18. For I consider 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. It's not even worth thinking about. It's not even worth comparing. No matter how sick you are, if you are sick from now until the day you die, if you try to to get a job now and struggle financially for the rest of your life, if you are, are having a miserable time just trying to make friends and you, don't, you can't figure out, if, you, if you're just having a hard time from now until the end of your days on this earth, it doesn't even compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. It doesn't even come close I know it's, it's, it's crazy because it's all we can see right now. It's all we can think about. It's all we can feel because in my eyes I see this world that I'm living in. In my ears I'm being told these things and, and my belly's hungry and, and I, I need these things and I, I want to feel about how I feel and I want my, my kids to be proud of me and I want my wife to be proud of me and I want my family to be proud of me and I want to do a good job and I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And if I don't get any of those, it doesn't even compare to the glory that's on its way. The glory that will be revealed in us. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he that knew no sin, hear me. We hear this verse a lot, but I want you to... Hear it. Let it land on you today. He that knew no sin became your sin. The sins you've done, the sins you're currently doing, and the, th- the, the sins that you're going to do. And not for a second did he hesitate. He didn't walk up that hill with the cross and go, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, they've done some pretty bad things. No. Didn't hesitate for a second. But the whole time he had your face in his mind. He had your name on his lips. He thought about you. And he wanted you to be restored to the kingdom. See, Jeremiah 29, 11, I don't know if y'all have heard this verse before. But I want to read it to you. It, I, it, it may be a new one. Let me read it to you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. The plans that God made were fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross for you. That's the plan, that's the future. Your hope is guaranteed. 
guaranteed that if nothing else good ever happens in your life, you are guaranteed, guaranteed eternity because of Jesus Christ. 